let's get into the word. I prayed already. I hope you have prayed. Father God, bless me. Bless those the ears are here so that follow good ground and use me to deliver your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm excited again to get to share a word with you today. And today I just want to share a very simple uh, truth that our faith and the word of God combined is how we experience success. Uh, go ahead and type this. Say it's all in the word. It's all in the word. Whether that's a logos word that you read in the Bible or that's a rhema word that God gives you, it's all in the word. What's all? The power that you need to overcome, the endurance, the patience that you need to, uh, to operate out to see that word manifest. All of that's in the word. And we know that faith begins where the will of God is known. So all of it begins in the word. All of us is in the word. The word of God is encompassed of everything that you'll ever need to see it come to pass. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about six simple truths that every believer should know. We're not going to get to all six tonight, but we'll probably get to hopefully numbers one and two tonight. All right. So if I asked you, what is the purpose of the Bible? What would you tell me? Huh? What would you tell me? You'll probably say, uh, that to help us understand God or to help us uh, understand what why we uh, exist or to help us do this. And most of that will be right. All right. The purpose of the Bible is to explain God's relationship with creation and, and to let, help us to understand God's character, the way that the kingdom operates, his way of thinking, his ways of doing things. It is a, I love that, Michael, it's a study God for life. Its purpose is its purpose is to reveal God to us. So the purpose of the word is to reveal God to us. And so in 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 through 17, it states this. Remember what you were taught from your childhood from the Holy Scrolls, which you can impart to you wisdom to experience everlasting life through the life faith of Jesus. So what's the purpose of the Bible? It's to help me to experience everlasting life through the faith of Jesus. So the number one thing that the Bible helps me to do is to encounter salvation, right? Because that's what everlasting life through the faith of Jesus is. It's salvation. Let's keep reading. It says the anointed one. Verse 16 says, God has transmitted his very substance into scripture. So the very essence of who he is, his character, his nature, he has transmitted that his very substance into scripture, but it is God breathed. It will empower you. So what's the purpose of the Bible? To empower me. By how? its instruction and its correction. It gives you the strength to take the right direction. So the, what's the purpose of the word? To empower me to take the right direction. Or in other words, to help me make the right choices and to lead me deeper into the path of godliness, sanctification, holiness. Verse 17 says, then you will be God's servant. So all of this first, right? Empowerment, salvation, strength, making the right choices, living in holiness and sanctification. Then verse 17 says, then you'll be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. Here's the issue with the body of Christ. We have too many immature Christians who are wanting to see the fullness of God, but not willing to do what it takes to see the fullness of God, right? You, you want God to manifest all his promises in your life. You want to see the goodness of God. But this, this scripture says, after you have what? 
allowed the word to give you instruction, allowed the word to empower you after the word has given you the strength to take the right direction and you chose to take the right direction. It, after it has led you deeper into the path of godliness, sanctification, holiness, making the right decisions, he says, then and only then will you be God's servant fully mature and perfectly prepared. So you're wondering why in times you have anxiety, you have worry, you have doubt. It's simply because you lack maturity. I've said the other day, last week I taught a message. I told you guys, it, it's, it's not the right time to be living any type of way. And then the week before I told you that anytime we choose not to study our word by default we're choosing ignorance and that ignorance is leading us to destruction so what we got to understand is god didn't ask me to study his word because he didn't have anything else to do god didn't tell me to meditate on the word because we he didn't have anything else to do the word is designed to free you the word is designed to mature you the word is designed to prepare you to fulfill the assignment that god has given you and a lot of times we can't walk into the assignment that god has for our life and we don't see that thing because we're not fully prepared and we're not fully mature it says the bible is our instructional manual for success it reveals to us how to walk in god's blessings and the experience of god the good life he envisions for us so if we want to live the life that god has for us we got to take god's word serious i take god now let's type that say i take god's word serious what does it mean i take his word serious i spend time reading his word i spend time look daily meditating on what his word says i spend time thinking about my purpose in life and not getting caught up with what Pastor Edwin, Pastor Sean, anybody else is doing. Why? Because each one of us have our own part to play in the kingdom. So I'm not worried about other people's assignments. A sign of maturity is that I walk the path that God has called me to walk on. Why? Because he knew the thoughts that he had towards me, right? Before he formed me in my mother's womb, there was purpose for me. And so my purpose doesn't look like everybody else's purpose in a sign of maturity is that I walk according to the things that God has called me to do. I'm not trying to be a doctor because God has called me to be an educator. It doesn't matter if they make more money. If you walk out the thing that God told you, told you to walk out, you'll be blessed in the thing that God called you to do. So part of being mature is knowing that I walk the path that God has called me to walk. Why? Because I'm perfectly prepared to fulfill the assignment. How did I get perfectly prepared? Because I allowed the word of God to lead me into the everlasting experience through Jesus Christ. I allowed him to bring salvation, right? I allowed that word to empower me. I took the word to give me the direction that I need that led me into a deep place of sanctification and holiness, right? So that's what that's what we'll be talking about tonight because when I get to start talking about these six, the six things that every believer should know, then we got to have a foundation for the word of God and, and that understand that faith and the Bible, the word of God, is how I experience success. It requires faith and it requires the word for me to experience success. See, you trying to get success on your own, but you can accomplish success on your own. You can't live a prosperous life on your own, not the prosperity that the kingdom talks about when we're talking about prosperity in every area of your life. You may have good money, but then your marriage may be bad. Your health may be bad. Your kids may not listen to you, right? Or you may not have peace in your mind, or you may have peace in your mind, but you got poverty in your pocketbooks. But when you come to God and you allow the word of God to mature you, 
you'll be perfectly prepared to fulfill that assignment. And God's perfect peace will cause you to have everything that you need in the full till it overflows. Go ahead and uh, type this. Y'all communicate with me tonight. Say, everything I need is found in the word. Everything that I need is found in the word. And we're going to skip a little bit so that we can get to the points. Everything I need, everything we need is in his word. And that word could be logos, which is his written word, or that word could be rhema. But what we got to understand is a lot of us can't hear God, not because God isn't always speaking, just like the radio is always going. There's always broadcasting God's word. The Holy Spirit is always speaking to us. However, we're not always tuned in. And sometimes it's the fact that we're not tuned in is because we can identify God's voice. So, um, my sister-in-law was on here tonight, and uh, before she was my sister-in-law, if she would have just called my name out in the crowd, I wouldn't have identified her. Why? Because I wouldn't have had a relation with her to know her character, to know the tune of her voice. How did I get to know her voice? I spent time with her. And so a lot of times what we find out is not that God isn't speaking to us about their situation. It isn't that he hasn't already given us a plan or a way of escape. The problem is that you haven't spent enough time in his logos word. You haven't spent enough time reading the word, his written word, that it showed you the character that aligned with his rhema word. So your failure to be able to hear God is directly connected with the fact that you don't know God's character for your life because you haven't spent time in the word to understand who he is. What we got to know, what we got to understand is this, that God's written word allows us to know his character in order to align with his spoken word. So I will never know what God is saying until I first know what God has already said in his word. Why? Because that's how I'm able to tune in to understand what God is telling me versus what my flesh is telling me. Does that make sense to y'all? Does that make sense? I hope it does. Uh, so many don't identify God's spoken word because they don't have spend enough time understanding his character. They don't know his love for them and they fail to realize the victory that has been provided to them through Christ. So when I begin to talk about these points in a moment, I really want you to understand why we study the word, why we spend time in the word, because the purpose of that is so that we don't stagger. Last week, we talked about 1 Corinthians 15, which is our, uh, our scripture. It says, uh, be unmovable, right? Firmly planted, unshakable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, right? So, so but how do I be unshakable? How do I be unmovable? I, I'm unshakable. I'm unmovable. I'm firmly planted because I know what the word has said concerning my life. That's what I know. I know what the word says. Uh, Pastor Evan put it on the screen. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, with all we have going for us, be ye steadfast, unmovable, secure, and firmly planted. You can't do that unless you know God's word. It says, live your lives with an unshakable confidence, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by what? Serving the Lord. So we go back. Because we're assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive and not a waste of time. So your reading of the word is not a waste of time. The more word I know, the more I become firmly planted. Uh, if you have ever done construction, I built a fence, right? 
And so when I was building my fence, I had to dig a deep hole. I had to put some work in. And when I wanted those poles to be secure, I didn't just put dirt back in there. I began to pour concrete in there. I began to put substance in there that will fill that hole so that it will be secure. So when so what happens for us, when the word of God has the ability to dig up all of our flesh. That's why the word says uh, it's like a two-edged sword. So the word of God, it takes out all those fleshy things. It digs that up. And so the word becomes your anchor that secures you and firmly plants you. So like my fence posts, when a storm comes, when tornadoes come, they're not just blown over. Why? Because they're securely planted. Well, like those poles are planted in concrete, the word of God is our concrete. And when we plant ourselves in the word of God, it doesn't matter what storm comes. It doesn't matter what the economy does. It doesn't matter that we're laid off from our jobs. It doesn't matter what we see that's going on in the uh, in society. When you're firmly planted in the word of God, you're not tossed to and fro. Why? Because the word of God is your anchor. It is your guarantee that you will prevail. You will stand tall. Why? Because you're firmly planted. So that's what I got to understand is that I'm firmly planted. It's my anchor. So I cannot back off the word of God. You can't back off. This is not the time to back off the word of God. It's not the time to to just uh, to chill out. I know some of some people are getting the tax refund, unemployment refund, child tax credits, and your bank accounts may look plush at times. Don't back off the word. I mean, don't back off the word. Why? Because that's all temporal. I am not moved by my bank account. Whether it's a thousand or a hundred thousand, the way I seek after God should never change based off the money I see in my account. The way I see God should not change based off how happy, how great my marriage or how great my kids are going or how much peace I have in my mind. The way I see God is not defined by what I see. I seek God because he loves me. I seek God because he has commanded me to seek after his kingdom with all my heart. I seek God because that's what I'm supposed to do. And it's not based on whether good times or bad times. I consistently seek after the father. Why? Because that his word is my anchor. And what we got to understand is that when God gives us a word, that he already knows the situation in which we're living in. People think that God's instructions are situational. God's word is not situational. It doesn't, he's not giving you a word and based off the situation, it changes, right? He already knows what's happening. We must understand that his word is not altered by the economy and his word is not altered by the society. It doesn't matter who is in, uh, in, in the White House, who, who's in Congress, who's wherever. If God gave you a word that this is your year to do X, if God gave you a word that this is your year to do Y, the fact that the situation has changed on the outside or in the earth does not change God's word for your life. If he said healing belongs to you, healing belongs to you regardless of what your body is telling you. Healing belongs to you regardless of what the doctors are telling you. If God says that you are debt free, debt freedom belongs to you regardless of how negative your account is in right now. None of that matters. Oh yeah, I saw that post. Hello, first time visitors. I do. I have seen some uh, <laughs> uh, people names I haven't seen. Welcome to Fellowship of Champions. All right, we'll take a momentary break to welcome all our first time visitors. We're so happy that you chose to worship with us today. Uh, some of our uh, 
greeters will we'll greet you. We welcome you to go to our uh, website and to become a virtual partner if you like, but we're so happy that you joined, you decided to join Fellowship of Champions tonight, where we're a church teaching you to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every, every area of your life. Thank you for being with us. So that concludes our uh, commercial. We're back. So what we got to understand is that our ignorance of the word's power makes us believe that our personal circumstances or our bank account has the ability to impact us. I say that again, what you got to understand, it is ignorance. It is lack of understanding of the word of God that will cause us to believe that our personal circumstances or our bank accounts has the ability to impact what God has said. What you got to understand is that when God gave you the instruction to buy the car, when God gave you the instruction to buy the house, when God gave you instruction to sow the seed, God didn't make that give you that word based off what you had. God gave you that word based off what heaven has. I'm going to say it one more time. Hopefully that's sick in. God does not supply your need according to your bank account. God supplies your need according to heaven's bank account. And heaven is never in the lack. So when God gives you a word, you allow doubt to creep in because you don't think that that word can come to pass because you're looking at your own circumstances. You're looking at your own bank account. You're looking at your own body. You're looking at your own marriage. You're looking at the behavior of your kids. You're looking at all these other things, but you got to understand that God's word doesn't change based on what's happening. What's happening changes based off God's word. That's good. That's good. So we cannot choose to be ignorant. We cannot choose to operate in doubt because we choose not to see God because we choose. Anytime there's doubt present, it's only there because uh, a lack of understanding of the word of God. So my mom and grandma, here's a very practical example. Uh, my mom and grandma, my grandma particularly loved to go fishing, right? Absolutely love fish. I have so many memories from childhood being uh, sitting on a five gallon bucket with a cane pole after catching brim, having the best time of our lives uh, with big straw hats on with me, an RC Cola. Back in the day, you can get four of them for a dollar uh, and three Snickers for a dollar at the dollar store. Those were good times. But the thing my grandma always worried about was the fact that anytime we got close to the water, she would always snatch us up. She would always start screaming and fussing because my grandma had a fear of water, though she loved fishing. Her fear was based off ignorance. My grandma didn't know how to swim. We didn't know how to swim. So anytime we got close to water, she was always afraid because of fear. Now, there are people who get close to water and it's second nature. They're never afraid. Why? Because they have wisdom concerning how to navigate water. And so my so because of her fear based off of ignorance, her inability of her lack of knowledge of swimming, it created a fear that wasn't even necessary, but it was present based off of ignorance. And so many believers, we have the word available, but we don't apply the word. We kind of know the word because we've heard people teach it, but we don't go out and operate. We don't have faith concerning that word because there's no corresponding action. And so we're still ignorant of a word because a word known, a word said, is not effective until it's the word done. 
So if you're not doing what the word has said, but you know it, it's not effective. And so the way that we get rid of ignorance is that we we uh, flood ourselves with knowledge. So the reason that you're fearful about money is because you don't already know that God has already taken care of us. You don't know that that he, he clothed the lilies of the field. You don't realize that he fed people with ravens. You don't know that he cracked a rock open and made it produce water. You don't know that he has parted rivers. You don't understand that and you don't believe that's true for your life. So that's why you have doubt when it comes to provision. But God has already provided. Let me read what Matthew 22 says. It states in Matthew 22 and 29, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures. This is the Bible. This ain't Ralph talking. This is the Bible. Your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. And that's the mistake that we have made as believers. We walk around. We, we, we It's like this. I know Pastor Edwin. I know Pastor Sean. I've spent 20 uh, years with them, right? I know them intimately. I know them. You could tell me something about them and I'll say, nope, that doesn't match their character. And unless I asked them and they told me that they did it, I would deny that. Why? Because it doesn't match what I've seen over 20 years. But Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean got friends that I'm not so intimate with, right? I don't know them. And see what a lot of us are doing, we're trying to operate as if we know those friends. Like, I don't know those friends. I can't speak about their character. I can't speak about their their, their, uh, ability to do things and follow through on their word. I can't speak about their reputation or anything like that. Why? Because I don't know them. I know Pastor Sean, but I don't know them. And for a lot of people, that's how they know the word. You know the pastor, but you don't know the pastor. You don't know the word that the pastor's teaching. You You know the man or the woman of God, but you're not intimate with the with the word they're teaching. You you know of God through your grandma, but you and you're you're living today because you're good today because your grandma's prayers, but you don't know God for yourself. You ain't spent time to become intimate with God yourself. And so because you don't know God intimately, you don't know that his character is that he'll never fail you. You don't know that his character is that he'll never leave your side. You don't know that your that his character is that if you made your bed in hell, he'll be there with you to keep you and to protect you. You don't know his character. And because you fail to know his character, then you have doubt concerning if he'll come through for you. Let's read that in uh, the contemporary English version. It says, you... You are completely wrong. You don't know what the scriptures teach and you don't know anything about the power of God. And I'm talking to the to the people of God. All right. Right. Because you can go to church and still be powerless. You can go to church and still be weak. I mean, we got churches, whole churches that do not exhibit the power of God because what? You don't know the scriptures and you don't know anything about the power of God. Why? Because you can be present and still not be blessed. Think about it. When Jesus went back to his hometown, it says that he wasn't able to do many works. It didn't say that he wasn't able to do any works. He wasn't able to do many works. Why? Because of what? Their unbelief, their ignorance, their failure to recognize him as Lord, as Savior, as King. And when we fail to recognize God's word as being superior to our 
whatever is challenging our body. When we fail to recognize God's word as being superior to any debt that we may have, when we fail to recognize God's word as being superior to any issues we may encounter in our relationships or depression or, or suicidal thoughts or any of those things, when we fail to recognize God's character, then that ignorance is what causes us to stumble. It's what causes us to fail. Why? Because we're not anchored. I like the message translation. I'll go ahead and read it to you. It says, you're off base on two counts. He said, let me check you real quick. You got two issues. All right. You don't know your Bibles and you don't know how God works. Go ahead and make that confession. I confess right now in the name of Jesus. I know my word and I know the power of God. I know my word and I know the power of God. Why? Because I remember times, and that's what I'm saying. You got sometimes you got to be like David when he was going against Goliath. You got to recall all them times that God brought you through. That time I was traveling on the highway and there was a car parked in my lane with his lights off. And right before I got to it, I was able to swerve. I went into a ditch and they looked Mazda 626 in a gully. Somehow, and there was water in it. Somehow I went in, came out, car fine. I was fine. I remember that time you saved me, God. I remember a year ago sitting on day board in a big F-250 came going about 55 miles per hour while I was at stop and rear-ended me. But right at the last moment, the truck swerved and it only got a a portion of my car when it could have been a full-on collision. I remember that time, God, I was just driving this morning and I didn't have a wreck. I remember that time I made it to daycare and all my kids got out of the car safely. I remember that time I went to pay Conway Corp this week, God, and I had the money to pay it. I remember the time I woke up this morning with not an ailment and an ache in my body. I remember the time, God, I went through the day and I was full of joy and I was overwhelmed with peace and unshakable comfort that you were Lord. I remember that time because so many times we're looking for bad things to happen. But baby, I remember that time I went to my account and it was way more and I had more money than I had month. So you got to remember those times. You don't need cancer for a testimony. I, re I have a testimony that I've never experienced cancer. So God, I thank you that I remember the time I lived my whole life without having to experience that. I remember Lord. Why? Because remembering his goodness gives me confidence that he'll do it again. Why? Because he, 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 he's not a respecter. If God rescued you once, every time he rescues you, he just should give you confidence that he'll do it again. He'll do it again. He will do it again. You got to know your word. You got to know that God works. God, I remember when you that's how you should, as you're going through the day, the enemy's talking to you and he's talking crazy, how you don't got enough money, how you're going to be sick, how your marriage not going to work. God, I remember when. I, I, I remember when, God. I remember last year around October, I, I had to go in. I got a total shoulder replacement. But before I did that, I felt like I... I was a faith punk because you didn't heal me other ways. I remember when, God, you said, go ahead and do it. And I was a little afraid, but I knew you'll see me through. And now I can lift both hands high. Now I live life without pain. God, I remember when. I remember when people around me were dying, getting COVID and all these things. And they would say, well, Ralph, you've been uh, diagnosed with diabetic and all this stuff and that you should do this and that. And I just simply listened to your guidance and you guided me in right the right way. And I never got COVID. God, I remember when. 
I remember when. And it's those things that give us confidence. And, and I'm not saying don't study your word because you need to study your word. But I am saying you got to remember your wins, baby. You got to remember every single time when an enemy talking crazy to you. I thank you, Lord, that time. I thank you, God. I remember when. Why? Because it helps you to know the power of God. It helps you to know that he's still rescuing you people. That's why when other people get blessed, I, I don't I don't I don't get upset. It becomes a, I remember when. God, I remember when Mama Sam was out there believing God to get a car debt free. I remember when she was telling Brielle how she needed to go and look for a car. She wanted a car debt free. I remember when God this weekend, you delivered to her a car debt free with a title in hand, with insurance paid for a year, with all the taxes paid. God, I remember when. And the same God that delivered the car to Mama saying that free is the same God that deliver what I need. That free is the same God that will heal me. Is the same God that restores marriage. Is that the same God that brings back kids from being disobedient? He is the same God. So I celebrate other people's victories because I remember when. It's just a reminder of God's goodness. Why? Because it says you didn't know two things. You don't know script. You don't know your Bible and you don't know the power of God. So quit being jealous of other people and just praise God because every opportunity, every day above ground is a remember when. Why? Because he woke you up today. All right. Let's keep moving. So the commands to study God's word is for your benefit. It is for your benefit. Proverbs 4, 10 through 13 says this. Listen, my son, accept my words and you'll live a long, long time. You want to know how you're going to live a long, good life? The Bible says, accept my words. Accept my words and you'll live a long, long time. I have directed you in the way of wisdom. What's wisdom? Wisdom, the appropriate application of God's word. He says, I have directed you in the way of appropriately applying my word and I have led you along straight paths. He says, when you walk, your step will not be hindered. Oh, that's good right there. Listen to this. Listen, when you know your Bible, when you know your Bible, you'll live a long, long time. When you accept, what does that word accept though? When I accept something, I take hold of it. I grasp it. I, it's no longer who it used to belong to. It now became mine. When, when Mama said, got the car this weekend, right? When she accepted that gift, it was no longer a possession that was of the people that gave it to her. It was now hers. So when I accept it, I own it. And when you own the word of God and you apply the word of God, you live a long, long life. It says, and your steps will not be hindered. I don't got to be afraid that the word God gave me about starting a business, that there will be something that can hinder me. I don't got to be afraid that the word that God gave me about mar getting married this year, that it won't come to pass. I don't got to be afraid that I'm going to run out, that I'm going to live in lack. Why? Because my steps will not be hindered. Hinder. And when y'all run, I won't stumble. So you'll be able to move swiftly as you align yourself with God. Or in other words, when you come into alignment agreement, you'll be able to be advanced to the place that God called you to be. He says, hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard wisdom because she is your life. You know, so what's life? Appropriately applying the word of God. It says guard that. That's why Pastor Evan told us to do what? What are the four things? Tame your thoughts, tame your tongue, tame your team, 
and tame your temper or your heart. So guard your heart. What, how do I guard my heart? I spend time in the word of God, confessing the word of God, meditating on the word of God so that my natural response to anything is only what the word says. So when I remember when they diagnosed me uh, with, with uh, diabetes, uh, the first thing the Lord said was this is temporary. And so even to this day, I follow everything that the doctors tell me to do. My A1C is like 5.7. So it's right there off of being uh, normal at 5.6. And I thank God that I'm healed. But I've not once ever said I'm a diabetic. Not once have I ever said this belongs to me because it doesn't. The Lord said this is temporary. And so many times we use our words to claim things that don't align with the word of God. Your words have power. The angels, the earth respond to your words. And so I don't claim being diabetic. I said, I always say they diagnose me diabetic. And, and, and because of that, I don't oppose do, uh, doctors either. I do what the doctors say, according to what God has told me to do. And so with that, though, every day I claim my healing. Every day I walk out my healing. What does my healing look like? See, the problem is a lot of us don't like, I talked about this last week, we don't like the approach God gives us to healing. Sometimes that approach looks like 30 minutes of exercise a day. Sometimes that approach looks like decreasing the number of carbs you intake every day. Sometimes that approach looks like drinking more water. Sometimes that approach looks like watching less TV and, and reading your word more, reading a book more. The approach doesn't matter as long as God told us that. You got to follow his instructions. You got to follow his instructions. Verse 2 Timothy 3 says this. It says, every scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the person dedicated to God may be capable. You want to know how you become capable? You read the word. You want to know how you become equipped? You read the word. Because wow, we're talking about what's the purpose of the Bible? to make you capable, to make you equipped. It says every scripture is inspired by God and useful for what teaching. That's what I'm doing right now, teaching for reproof, for correction. The Bible is designed to cut away everything that doesn't look like God. The word is designed to show you, to illuminate everything that doesn't look like God and cut that thing away. That's what it means that when I made a decision to make Jesus my Lord, right? When I made a decision to make Jesus my Lord, what I did was say, I no longer own myself. Why? I'm a landlord, all right? I own tenants. I mean, I own properties. And as a landlord, I get to say how things operate in the uh, residence I reside, right? My tenants may live there, but they don't own anything. And here's a great thing about landlord. One of my tenants called me today. He said, hey, man, my ceiling fan messed up. And he lives in the house, but he don't own the house. And because he lives in the house, all his job is to do is to call the landlord. And it's the landlord's job to take care of the house because he owns the house. Some of y'all going to get where I'm going with this. You... When you allow Jesus, when you allow God to be Lord, you, you're just a tenant. You, you're just a steward. Your only job, it, he didn't ask you to fix it. He, he didn't, my tenant didn't even attempt to fix the ceiling fan. He didn't even try. All he did was pick 
up the phone and call the landlord. Why? Because as the owner, I am obligated according to contract. You hear me? According to covenant that I wrote out and we both signed to come in and fix it. But the problem with believers, the problem with saints is two things. We don't know our Bible and we don't know the power of God. So what's happening is you are a tenant trying to be the landlord. You got things in your house that's broken. And instead of calling on God to come in and fix those things, you instead try to be the owner. But as long as you are trying to be the owner, God can't be your Lord. As long as I try to be owner of my own life, God can't be my Lord. Why? Because he is a gentleman. He is not going to, and he has given us the power of choice. So I choose to go and make my own uh, flesh my arm, then I choose to deal with the things that are going to come with that. Quit trying to fix things. It's not your responsibility. It ain't your responsibility to take care of yourself. It's your responsibility to know what the word says. It's not your responsibility. See, as a parent, this is one of the things that free me because I, I take parenting pretty serious. I'm not perfect. The Lord, no, I, I, I am trying to listen to Holy Ghost on how to parent my kids. And for me, being a parent can sometimes become overwhelming. And so the Lord was talking to me one day. He says, Ralph, you got to understand that, that I put you here, that you're just a steward. I own these kids. So if you just let me be their father, I teach you how to raise each one of them individually the way I need them raised so they become the thing that I, so so when I talked about Jeremiah 29 11, that I knew the thoughts that I had towards Aiden and towards Major and towards Major to prosper them and give them expected end, then I knew that you and April would be their parents. And so I have equipped you to, to raise them, but you got to listen to me. So don't try to own them. Just be a good steward. And see, so many of you are out there trying to raise kids without ever asking God on how to raise them. They ain't yours. I know biologically they have your DNA, but they belong to God. Biologically, they may look like you, but they belong to God. And so when you begin to try to own anything, then you, you take away God's ability to be Lord. And so he can't fix it because as owner, you feel responsible for taking care of it. So you don't ask for his help. We got we get the opportunity to, to parent God's kids. That's so good. And so we get the opportunity to parent God's kids. And so I'm just a tenant, you know. I, I'm just a good steward. And so God, I thank you that I know that you that that I know your word and I know the power that you have, right? And so that's what we got to understand. And when you do that, Second Timothy told us we become capable and we become equipped for every good work. There's nothing in this earth that I'm not capable of doing or equipped to get done. Equipped for every good work. That's Bible, because that's what we're talking about tonight, right? It's all in his word. It says without the word, without the Holy Spirit, without faith, you are not capable or equipped. Without the word, without Holy Spirit and without faith, you are not capable or equipped. And so a lot of us don't have faith because faith starts where the will of God is known. 
because you don't know the will of God for your life, then you don't have faith. Therefore, you're incapable and therefore you fail, you're not equipped to get things done. And part of that is because you don't take the time to renew your mind. Right. We know what Philippians 2 and 5 says that this mind being you that was also in Christ Jesus. Then you can run over there. Romans 12 and it talk, talks about renewing your mind. So we got to take on the mind of Christ. But if you have ever I, I my, my grandfather was a carpenter, so I grew up working out with him, working with him. And so we used to do renovations and things like that. Or a renovation is another way of saying renewing things. And I'm not sure about you, but I've never renewed something. And it didn't take work. Right. And, and the oldest, like one of the houses I brought, uh, it was a, built in like the 60s. Right. And so it was it was in pretty poor shape when I brought it. And so it needed to be renovated. It needed to be renewed. And so I brought the house in like February. I wasn't able to sell the house until July because from February to July, you know what I was doing? I was renewing the house. Why? Because renewing took work. Every weekend I would drive from Conway to Prescott and I would put in some work. On spring break, when I was a teacher, I took my whole spring break. I stayed on my <laughs> mother-in-law's couch for a whole week and I put in work to renew that house. Why? Because renewing takes work. And so what we want to do, we want to have an end product. We want to be perfect and mature without doing the work. We want to be perfect and mature. We want to, in Ephesians, we want to know the fullness of God until he's able to do exceedingly above everything that we could ever ask or imagine. But we don't want to put in the work. But baby, in the kingdom, it doesn't work that way. If you're not willing to renew your mind in order to think the way God thinks, in order to do the way things God wants done, then you will not be able to be fully mature and you won't be able to have God perfect the things in your life. Renewing takes work. And so the work for the believer is to know what the word says. And I said all of this so that we could have a good understanding of what we need to know about God's word, right? So that way we can get into these uh, six things. What time? What time? I'm at 48 minutes. So we'll be able to cover number one tonight and then we'll pick up next week. There's no, there's no rush. So what does God desire for us? All right. And so as we start talking about this and we talk about God's character, right, going back to Matthew 22 and 29, I got two problems. What was those two problems that you didn't know God and you didn't know you're off, you're off base on two camps. Y'all go ahead and get past Edwin a clout. First of all, all right, listen, this is what I love about uh, he he probably like, be quiet. But this is what I love about our man and one with God. Pastor Edwin, the pastor, senior pastor, Fellowship of Champions is sitting in the back end of a sermon stream yard while I teach on Wednesday night, right? So look at the humility, right? Look look at the commit, commitment. And, and, then, and that's what I like about FOC. It doesn't matter what job needs to be done. Nobody's above doing it. So y'all get, and I mean, he owned it, man. I couldn't even get it out fast enough. And he already had the word pulled up. So yeah, give past Evan a hand. Uh, because you got a man of God, Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean, who are so committed to seeing that this thing comes to pass. They don't think they're better than anybody. Their simple job is to is to lead by example on what needs to be done with excellence. And so I love that. It says you're all based on two accounts. You don't know your Bible and you don't know how God works. You don't know your Bible and you don't know how God's work. So let me tell you how God's work. It works like this. In John 10, 10, he says, I want you to have life and that life more abundantly. 
right? That's how he wants. That's what God wants for you. That's yeah, Pat, nature. That's my pastor. That's that's our pastor. Pastor said, "Go boo." All right, but anyway, that's what he wants. In First John three and two, it says, "Beloved friends, I pray that you are prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health, just as your soul is prospering." And when we say that word "soul," I don't want to just skim over that because I know we got good names. If you've been a while around us for a while, you know what I'm about to say. Our soul is what? Our mind, our will, our emotions, our imagination, and our intellect. And so God is saying, look, friend, I want you prospering and I want you to have good health, but I want your mind to prosper. I want your will to prosper, your imagination, your intellect. I want all those things prosper. He says, that's my desire for you, right? Why? Because what are the two things? I got to know God and I got to know his, uh, his power. So as I begin to talk about a simple truth, truth number one, before I talk about that, I wanted you to know what God desires for you. All right. So here in the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about six simple truths believers should know. Here's truth number one. And I think truth number one uh, is, is very important. If you don't give now, you ain't going to ever give. If you don't give now, hopefully we have time to do one or two. Uh, if you don't give now, you won't ever give. And so, so many believers believe that I'll sow when I get a new job. I'll sow when I get more money. I'll sow when I win. If I won the lottery, if I, I don't even know what the, the uh, I didn't drive anywhere today to see the signs. But if I won the uh, the the pick six or whatever it's called, I, I, will, I will give off that. You lying. You lying. Because here's the thing. If you're not going to give... $10 off a hundred, a dollar off $10, you ain't going to give a million off a uh, 10 million. You're lying. Because if you don't give it now, you ain't going to give it at all. And, and you may be like, well, Ralph, how are you going to say that? Let's run on over to Ecclesiastes 11 and 4. It says, he who observes the wind and waits for all conditions to be favorable will not sow. And he who regards, regards the clouds will not reap. Let me read that out of the living Bible for you. All right. Let me make it plain for you. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. So this ain't Ralph telling you this. This is what the word is saying. You're saying whenever you say, well, well, if, if they apologize, then I will do. But God asks you to forgive them before you. Uh, uh, anyway, so so what it ain't no perfect condition. Right. You've been your disobedience is only uh causing your detriment, not theirs. So your inability to sow because you don't feel like you can, that's the enemy's way of tricking you because if he can get you not to participate in sowing, then he can also get you to by default participate and not harvesting. If he could tell you right now is not a good time, you know you got lights due, you know you got your gas bill due, your lights due, your car note, your insurance, all these things are due. Well, yeah, they are. But it's still also a commandment that I tie. That's still the expectation. It says, if you're not sowing, you have no basis for expectation of harvest. If you are not sowing, you have zero basis for expectation of harvest. And what we got to understand, and somewhere in the in, in Christianity, this has happened. Your good intentions don't bring you harvest. Your great thoughts don't bring you harvest. Well-spoken words don't bring you harvest. 
seed brings you harvest. So it doesn't matter what you give. If it ain't what God has called you to give, it ain't the seed that brings you harvest. It is really that simple. If God asked me to sow $10 and I did 20, me doing more does not bring me the harvest. I wasn't obedient. I wasn't obedient. I wasn't obedient. And so what we some people believe is that, hey, if I'm just good to people, then uh that then I'll reap harvest. Well, no, not really. That that's not that's not really true. You reap harvest based off seed sown, especially when we're talking financial harvest, right? You want money, you can't be out there giving people hugs. You want money, you can't be out, you can't be out there uh writing people letters to make them feel good. You, you want more money, you can't be out there uh, and, and, and you, you can't be out there doing anything and trying to call it a seed. Why? Because if I go to Walmart right now and I buy a package of apple seeds and I plant those apple seeds in my backyard, but all while I'm praying, planting them, I'm praying, I declare oranges now in the name of Jesus. I mean, you praying in tongues, you spitting, you done bless, you got all of the olive oil out of Walmart, the whole aisle empty, you done poured all the oil on them apple seeds, and you calling forth oranges, and when harvest time comes, can anybody tell me what we gonna see? It don't take a genius. You're going to see apples. Why? Because you're praying over the wrong seed. You didn't do, you didn't sow what's needed to harvest what was desired. And that's how we're doing God, right? He's He told you to give the tenth, but you bring in 3%. You bring in 9.75%, but it's still not the tenth. So you can't see the harvest because you ain't sowed the seed. And that's what it goes back to when I was talking about the Bible. And I was talking about all those things. Uh, because you got to understand, we be deceiving ourselves. The enemy don't even got to work hard. Because any person, if I go in there now and wake up Ava, she probably ain't asleep. And I said, Ava, look, look at this package. It's apple seeds. And I said, Ava, I'm going to plant it. And I said, Ava, guess what's going to, what are we going to be able to eat in a little while when it grows? Guess what Ava going to tell me? Apples. Why? Because out of the mouth of babies, babies even understand that if I sow an apple seed, I'm going to get an apple seed. So if you want to reap harvest, you got to sow the seed that God called you to sow. Don't be mad because you broke. Don't be mad because you're lacking. Let me just keep going because some of those points cover that. Uh, I'm laughing at myself now, Pastor Evan, because I didn't even say that I was going to be with, uh, I was going to do it quickly. Let, let me keep going. God wants to know if he can trust you. See, because you didn't take the seed that uh, he asked you for, he can't trust you because he can't trust you. He ain't going to give you anything else. That's Luke 16 and 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in the much. Let me give you give it to you in an easier translation, New Living Translation. It says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So many of you 
want great, you want your name to be, oh Lord, make my name great. You want everybody to know you. You want to be out front. You want to do, you want to be the part, you want to be the face of whatever, but God can't even trust you to go right uh, when he told you to go right. You, God, I go to work every day this way. Every day I go to work. I take I take Dave Ward to Salem to whatever. And God said, no, I want you to go this way. God can't even trust you to, to, to change the direction you're going in your car to get to work. How can he trust you with somebody's life? God can't even trust you with a hundred dollars. How can he trust you with a million? God can't even trust you to parent your kids and hear you out here trying to uh, give other people, wanting to give other people advice and be a counselor and all this stuff. God can't trust you. That's why he can't give you the position that you desire. Listen, you got to understand being an authority and being is part innately a part of your characteristic as a, a, a child of God. That's just part of it. Because if you think about it, when God created Adam, he created Adam with authority, dominion. He created Adam with a feeling to belong. He created Adam with purpose and a calling. And so you have all of that, right? And that's innately part of who you are. So you may not be wrong in your desire to be a leader. You're not wrong in your desire to have authority. The problem is God can't trust you to, and he, because he can't trust you, he can't put you where you need to be. So you make your own path. You become the, you, you move out of tenancy and you put yourself in lordship. And because now that you put yourself in lordship, now you have to own the role that you put yourself in. So God didn't tell you to take that leadership position at your job. You just thought you should take it because it paid you more money. Now you the manager. Now you depressed. Now you feeling overworked. Now your marriage is suffering. Now all the things are ha happening because you failed to listen to God. As Tiffany said, you were hard headed and you didn't obey him. But because you decided to be Lord and make that decision, now you got to be Lord and deal with the consequences. See, what we want God to do, we want to make our own decisions, right? My tenant could have said, I'm going to go in here and fix this fan. But then if he would have messed that fan up by covenant, he's now responsible for the repairs. Sit on that. Say love. Because in the covenant, it says anything that's broken, call the landlord, and it's my responsibility to fix it. However, if you take it upon yourself to try to repair something without consulting the landlord, then now you're obligated to see it through. Y'all don't watch them TikToks. Y'all don't seen them TikToks before. So what did you do? You gotta, you gotta see it through, and that's what I gotta tell. I tell my tenant, according to covenant, you gotta see it through. Why? Because I wasn't. You didn't call the landlord, so I'm not obligated to come and rescue you out of a situation that you created for yourself because you decided to take yourself out of tenancy. You decided to take yourself out of stewardship and become Lord. And because you did that, now you got a Lord over the whole situation. And that's what happens. But here's the great thing about God. 
he's always looking for another chance to be your Lord. So he takes us back. But sometimes when he takes us back, there's some things done that we just got to deal with the earthly consequences. Like God will take you back after you shoot somebody, right? If you commit murder, God will take you back, but you still got to deal with the earthly consequences of committing murder. You still got to deal with the earthly consequences of stealing. You still got to deal with the earthly consequences of telling your wife that lie or telling your spouse that lie. You still got to deal with those earthly consequences. And when we begin to take ourselves out of tenancy or out of stewardship, out of position, and we become Lord of our own, life. Yes, God takes us back, but there are earthly consequences that you got to deal with, baby. So you're like, well, God, God did deliver you. God, I mean, God will bring you through, but you took your rent money and spent it. That was you. And so you just want God to swoop in and make everything right, baby. A part of not paying rent, rent is called eviction. And it happens for people. Not paying your light bill causes your light to be turned off. And then you got the nerves to be offended with God because he didn't come in and rescue you. He was not obligated to do so because he wasn't Lord over that situation. He wasn't Lord over that situation. So if you become Lord, you better be prepared to stay Lord. That's what I'll tell you. Or just stay in your position. God, I'm going to be a good tenant. You know what? I'm going to be a good tenant of this body you gave me. I'm going to drink the water you said. I'm going to exercise the way you said. I'm going I'm to eat the food you said. I'm going to fast when you say fast. You say, Lord, I'm staying up too late. I'm going to go to sleep earlier, Lord. Why? Because I'm going to be a good tenant of this body you gave me. God, I'm going to be a good tenant of this money you gave me. This money don't even belong to me anyway, God. This your money. You, you, you just let, I'm just here to control it. I'm just here to bless humanity, uh, allow you to bless humanity through me. So God, I thank you for the job. I thank you for all the money that the job brings, but God, I know that that job is not my source. It is you. So God, I thank you for this money. And how will we spend your money this month, God? And, and here's what you got to know about any good daddy, right? Any good daddy, any good father, always make sure you're taken care of. Any good daddy. So, so as a steward, right, of God's money, I don't ever got to worry about being taken care of. I don't ever have to worry about being taken care of. Let me give you an example. All right. And this happened the other day because I'm trying to teach Aiden how money works. I gave Aiden a sum of money. And I think we're at a store or some restaurant somewhere. And, and I gave Aiden the money. And I said, Aiden, this is what I want you to go do with the money. Aiden never, ever considered taking the money and doing what he wanted to do with it. Because Aiden understood that this money belonged to his father. But Aiden also know that in his father's house that he's taken care of. So it didn't think, it didn't become aware of Aiden to need to take something because he already knew that he was already taken care of. See, the only reason you take from God is because you don't believe that God will take care of you. Now, that's just the truth of the matter. It's because you don't think God will take care of you. You don't think that God has your best interest in mind. I got to go buy myself this dress, even though God said not to buy it. 
uh, because I don't feel like God will ever let me buy anything for myself. God don't ever let me do things the way I want to do with the money. You don't feel like God has your best interest in mind, so you take your own interest and you do what you want with the money. Why? Because you, you don't feel like God can be trusted. But Aiden took the money. He paid the people. He brought me back to change. Why? Because Aiden understands that I don't, I don't need to take my daddy's money. My daddy's going to take care of me anyway. And in the same breath of taking it back, he's like, daddy, can I have this? Why? Because he understood that in my father's house, I'm taken care of. And when I ask my daddy for something that I need or even that I want, because he's a good father, he'll give it to you. And see, that's why Matthew 22 and 29 was saying that we have failed we have failed in ways. Why? Because we don't know God's, we don't know the Bible, the Bibles. <laughs> As I said, you don't know your Bibles and you don't know how God works. The way God's work, he is designed to prosper you. Why? That's why I read those two scriptures. Above all things, I wish that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Why? Why? Because that's what God wants you to do. You can trust God when he says, give the hundred dollars. You can trust God when he says, give this. Why? Because at the end of the day, he is only trying to get you to participate in his system of seed time and harvest so that you can do what? Harvest. So that you can harvest. Why? Because you can't be out there sowing hugs expecting money. You can't be out there sowing hugs expecting money. So I'm right at my hour. Um, but I, all right, y'all hang on five minutes, five minutes. Yeah, five minutes. I want to get you this. I, I need point two. Uh, let me tell you this real quick. If you're not willing to sow what you have right now, it's unlikely that you'll sow later on. If you're not willing to sow what you got right now, so quit lying to yourself. Quit lying right now. Quit lying. Stop lying. To, the next best chance to change is right now. Stop lying to yourself. If you're not willing to sow right now, you ain't going to sow later on. So quit. Don't let the de devil gas you up. Just give it next time. No, you need to give it. Some of y'all need to stop what you're doing right now, even as you're listening to me. You need to minimize your little Facebook thing. If you got an Android phone and, and it's really nice, you can have picture in picture. So you need to just stop what you're doing right now and go give whatever seed God told you to give to whoever God told you to give it to. Right now, the best next time to change is now. So let me get point number two and let's go home uh, or go to sleep. Number two, things are never too tight to give. Oh, I love this one. Things are never too, this is one of them lies that, 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 that the enemy uses. The enemy tries to convince you that you cannot afford to give. This is a way that he takes advantage of you. When he can prevent you from sowing, he can prevent you from harvesting. You, it ain't never too tight to give. It, it, listen to me. Listen to what I'm telling you. Things are never too tight to give. Debt, worry, and fear, and doubt are only ways that the enemy try to operate in your life. Things are never too tight to give. And so what you got to understand is this. The enemy tries to get you to think that they're too tight. Then he's you're like, man, I'm not sure if I can do all of that. 
I'm not sure if I can afford to tithe. I'm not sure if I can afford to give. I'm not sure if I can afford that that class that God told me to take. Because I'm not just talking about tithing and offering. I'm talking about God told you to go get a real estate license, and you like I don't think I can afford the class. And it's it's never too tight to give, right? Uh, but if he can get you to think that you can, and then if you talk that thing out of your mouth, then your heart believes and guess what? You have what you say. But let's go ahead and let's see what the word says. Because I love reading the word. If you go back to 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 through 17, it'll tell you that what? When you deal with the word, it'll cause you to experience everlasting life through the faith of Jesus. All right. It'll cause you to, it will empower you. It will give you the strength to take the right direction. That's the key right there. That's why I'm saying you got to spend time in the word. So even in a crisis situation or what seems like crisis to our flesh, when we're in the word, it gives you the strength to take the right direction. Or let me put that in everyday wrath language. When I'm in my word and I choose to operate in wisdom because I am a perfect and mature Christian because I spent time allowing the word to anchor me and cause me to be fearful secure and firmly planted, then I have this unshakable confidence in God. So it gives me the ability to make the right choices, even in the midst of when my flesh is screaming that I can't afford to do it. See, that that's what happens. That's why it's important to spend time in the Word. That's why it's important to spend time in the words. Why? Because when we agree with what the enemy has to say with our words, then there are powerful things that happen. Why? Because Proverbs 18 and 21 says this, your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. And the top of the person will reap the consequences. So you that's why Pastor Edwin a long time ago said what? Tame your tongue. He was trying to help us to understand that that our words have power and that, and that as a as a as a child of God I can't be speaking anything contrary to the word of God but but you got to understand that it's never too tight to give and and, and here's my example and I love this story as as we end because we're, we're at hour 20 minutes listen this is how you know it's never too tight to give I ain't even gonna go there read it but think about the woman who was going in to fix her last cake her, her last meal, right? It don't get any tighter than your last meal. I know a lot of us may have went a day or two without food or something like that, but this, she would, the Bible says she was going in to fix her last meal, her, her last bit of meal, her last little oil, right? That's what the word says. Uh, and, and what you got to understand is no matter how tight the situation, God will always give you an opportunity to come to go from go from being tight to abundance. God has always given you opportunity for abundance. Why? Because if you read that story, the Bible says that God had commanded a widow woman to sustain Elisha. He says, I, he says, go here. I've commanded a widow woman to sustain him. In other words, God says, I've had a conversation with a woman who has decided to partner with me. And she may not have known then that what she had decided, but the Bible says, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain you. So God says, look, widow woman, I know it seems like things are too tight for you to give. I know it seems like your money is funny. I know it seems like that you just don't have enough. I know what it seems like, woman. I know it seems like your this this, this is your last little bit of meal, and I know this is your last little oil. But here's what God says: Give me an opportunity to prove who I am in your life. Matthew twenty-two and twenty-nine. 
Give me an opportunity to know my word and to know my power. Give me an opportunity. Why? Because every every word from God is an opportunity. Every word from God, every chance to obey is an opportunity. He said, give me an opportunity. So at that moment, the widow woman could have made a choice. She could have sowed a seed. She could have just hugged the man of God and said, man of God, man of God, I'm about to eat this cake and me and my boy about to die. And because she was sown, hug, sown a hug, then all she would have reaped in harvest was a hug and she would have died with her son. That's how the story would have ended. But if she would have sold her time and she would have washed the man of God's feet and she would have got his Bible and she would have been a perfect armor bearer for the man of God and she would have did all that, she would still have died with her son. Why? Because that wasn't what the Lord was asking for. It wasn't the seed that the Lord was asking for. You can't replace what God is asking for with what you desire to give. But what God said, widow woman, I know you, I, I, I know you think this is your last. He says, but give, but fix me a little cake first. And it says, and you know the rest of the story. She fixed the cake for the man of God, and, and they ate. And the Bible says that the barrel of weight, the barrel of meal wasted not, and neither did the cruise of oil, right? She had enough. Every time she went back, she had enough. And here's the other deception of the enemy is that the enemy makes you think that when you sow, just because you didn't reap, the Bible doesn't say that she went back and had a 55 gallon drum of, of meal. It didn't say that. It said every time she went back, she had what she needed. See, the enemy got you thinking that God's not working on your behalf because you don't see overflow and abundance. But baby, Think of, you remember when? You remember when I was telling you that at the beginning of the sermon? You remember when? I remember when I went back to my bank account to pay my car insurance. And it didn't it didn't say a hundred thousand or a million, but baby, it was there. You you remember when I went back and I needed to buy food today for my kids. And Lord, I thank you that when I went there, it was there, God. I remember, and that's what the that's what the widow woman was doing. She says, you know what? It looks tight, but I'm gonna choose to obey God. And every day she said, you know what? Yesterday when I went to that, when I went to that 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 uh barrel to get that meal, and she scooped out, and it might have been her last, but guess what? When she went back, I remember yesterday God sustained me. So God, I thank you that today you'll sustain me. I remember when. Why? Because you're never too tight to give. It's never too tight to give. It's never too tight to give. So in this season, in this year of release, in this year of abundance, in this five to one year, catch yourself being obedient to God. And don't let the circumstances of your money, your the environment, the economy, or anything else like that convince you that it's too, it's too tight to give. Why? Because how are you going to get out your situation? You're going to give your way out. And what's the perfect seed? The one that God told you to sow. And don't minimize that seed. So as you prepare to sow tonight, don't minimize that seed. It could be, it could be 10 cents. It could be $5. It could be $10. It doesn't matter. What you got to do is choose to obey God. You got to give him a chance. You gotta, you gotta refuse to be Matthew 22 and 29 when they talk about 
you got these two problems. Look, you don't know your Bibles. That's what the message said. You don't know your Bibles and you don't know the power of God. You don't know how God acts. You, you don't know how God works. So that's what we got to stop doing. So number one thing, if you don't give now, you will never give, right? If you don't give now, you'll never give. Number two, things are never too tight to give. Ralph, why are you talking to me about giving? Why? Because I want you blessed. And, and it, is, it is a lie from the pit of hell that makes you think that you can sow other seeds and expect money. That's just not how it works. Now, here's what you can do, though. You can sow money and expect other things. How do I know? One over there to Malachi 3 and 10. It says, when I'm a tither, the, the, it says, as a tither, the God rebukes the enemy for my sake. He rebukes the divider. It says, oh, uh, as you tithe, he says, will I not open up the windows of heaven for you? Because as I give, as I sow my money, as I give my tithe, then it gives me the ability to have other things. But baby, your hugs, your service in the church, your ushering, your praise team singing, your, your, your work in the computer, behind the scenes, all that, that ain't the seed that God has called you to sow to get money. That's just not. That's just not how that works. And so next week we'll we'll pick up the other the other ones. Uh, we'll go through three, four, five, and six next week. All right, we'll go through three, four, five, and six. So you guys prepare your seat to give tonight. Uh, thank you guys so much for hanging on. I mean, I think I think wow, y'all basically everybody hung on. I know I went a little longer, but I love you guys. And what I and here's the thing that we 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 are big on at FOC. You go study the word for yourself. Just don't take, and that's why we give you all these scriptures. Don't just don't take what I say for uh for face value. You go study it out for yourself. All right. You go study it out for yourself. And I'll be honest with you, I'm walking out these things myself. This is what I'm talking about. Graph, you can trust God because you you go from levels, right? And levels like I I remember when all I could sow was this and all I could sow was this and this and this. But as you go to different levels in your money and as you go to different levels with God, then there's always choke level seeds. There are always uh, choke level uh, promotions and think places that God wants to take you. And you got to remember when. You got to know that the same God that brought me out of Carson Terrace is the same God that brought me into an apartment. Is the same God that helped me buy my first house, my second house, my third house, my fourth house. He is the same God that helped me buy uh, my next house debt free. He is the same God. And so you got to remember when. And you got to know that I have to study my word and I got to know the character of God. And I got to know that I have to always be giving. Why? Because when I'm always giving, I'm setting myself up always to receive. Why? Because a former harvest in proportion to the seed that he has sown. And so if I want to always see harvest, then I'm always finding myself sowing seed. Amen. So govern yourself according to the announcements. Join us tomorrow. Uh, have your teams join us tomorrow for uh, Ignite, Access Victory Zone on Demand by visiting uh, www.focchurch.com. On Friday, join us at 6.30 a.m. for Champion Circle Prayer. On Sunday morning, join us at 9.30 a.m. for our online Sunday celebration with Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean. Re remember, there will be no face-to-face -face service this Sunday. No face-to-face -face service. Face-to-face -face service 
is uh, has been suspended until further notice due to the increased number of people uh, having COVID. And what we want to do is make sure that we always make uh, hear God and, and make sure that we operate with abundance of caution when it concerning our partners, uh, because you are our priority to keep. It's our priority to make sure that you are safe. And so uh, you can hear the word at the house and God delivers at the house. He heals at the house. He does all of that. Why? Because the church is just a, a physical building uh, in, in Fayetteville at 2737 North or OY Road. But the spirit of God, hallelujah, is present everywhere. And it is present with you now. And it heals every broken place right now. So uh, join us at 930. And then Monday, Passion is on for Mindset Monday. I mean, Strategies for Success. Uh, and then Tuesday night, AM Prayer. All right. So love you guys. Be blessed. Thanks so much for hanging in there with us. Uh, oh, Ways to Give, Give the Five, Push Pay, Tyler. They're all on your screen. Text to Give. And make sure, don't forget the scholarship. We're going to exceed our $50,000 uh, goal. Uh, we're going to exceed it every year. We're going to have to increase the goal from year to year. But right now we're at $37,000 so far, but we're going to exceed that goal. If you haven't give, go and give uh, to the scholarship drive. You got you got plenty of time, but there's no better time to do it than now. All right. And for those of you who God has told to sow the seed, don't wait. Don't don't keep putting it off. Sow the seed wherever God has told you to sow the seed so that God can get you the harvest that he has already purposed for your life. To have. All right. Don't miss out on abundance because you refuse to be uh, obedient. All right. Be blessed. Have a great night. Love you.